Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I have you go ahead and take your bulletin out and take out the intro for this day, which is going to be our sermon text because it comes from Scripture, both Philippians and Psalm 71. And we'll speak it together half verse by half verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will hope continually. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. O God, from my youth, you have taught me. So even at old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me. Together, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. You may be seated. Well, that rose candle is for the third Sunday in Advent. It's not the first candle. It's not the last candle. I know for some people who are, have these symmetrical ideas, this just drives them nuts. It just seems to be out of place. And when we find out what it means, it means rejoice, anticipating the shepherd's joy when they saw the Christ child in the manger. But I thought this was the season of Advent. Its color is blue. Not quite the penitent purple of Lent, but blue, somber, or blue, hopeful expectation. What gives with this odd-colored pink? You know, it used to be that the Christmas stuff didn't come out until after Thanksgiving, right? Anybody remember that? Yeah? And then stores got the idea to come a little earlier, and all of a sudden it's coming out before All Hallows' Eve or Reformation Day. There are some even stores that even have taken it to the next level where you have Christmas year around. And yet in an odd way, they are getting it right, that the world is getting it right, that they are going ahead and celebrating, rejoicing before the event ever happens. To celebrate leaving our place of despair before we're there. You see, that's what the intro that you were singing was all about. It is about living the Christian life. It is about living by faith, knowing that the Word of God stands eternally true and that God will indeed deliver. So let's take a moment and look at the intro, at that first part, what they call the antiphon, the part about rejoice. And it's also repeated right at the end, isn't it? from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. It's written, or as a part of Paul's joyous book, about this wonderful congregation in Philippi. Yes, his congregation of blessing and joy. But if you would go to chapter 4 in your Bible, you would find out that things are not so good. There's two women in the congregation 
We're fighting. They're at odds with each other. Paul even goes so far as to name them Eudea and Syntyche. Now, it's one thing to go ahead and point out problems in a congregation, but then also to go name names? That's another. And then to have them written down in the Bible forever. Every time the book is read. And yet, what does Paul command them to do? To rejoice, not once, but twice, not just Eudea and Sintiki, but also the whole congregation to which they belong. These women who have worked with Paul and others with him, Paul is concerned with joyful expectation. So you have the problem, you have the command to rejoice, and now he moves on to how are they to live with each other. Let your reasonableness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. Not being anxious, but in prayer, supplication, in thanksgiving. There it is. In thanksgiving to God. Why? Because God, or the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Yep, that's where this verse comes from. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. Keep, guard, protect your hearts and minds. That's something to rejoice about. They are to rejoice even though things are not quite settled yet. Why? Because they will be. Psalm 71 works the same way. If you were looking into your Bible, the psalmist is crying for deliverance from the wicked and unjust and cruel men. In fact, it's gotten so bad, guess what? People are saying the same thing to him and conclude, God has forsaken him, pursue him, seize him, for there is no one to deliver him. And the psalmist himself is so desperate, in fact, he is so angry, he says, may my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. And yet, it changes. Here at verse 14, how is the psalmist to live his life? He will live his life praising God. Look again at that intro. In the second verse of the intro, he says, But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all day, for their number is past my knowledge with mighty deeds of, mighty deeds of the Lord. God, I will come and I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. So he's praised him in the past, He's going to do it now, and he's going to do it in the future as he continues on. Verse 17, O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. And then he goes on in the rest of the psalm to praise God who, look at this, who, the God who he credits his troubles to. Now that might be curious, if you weren't here last Wednesday, I talked about that. Why would God put us to the test? Why would he let troubles come upon us? 
Well, let me ask you this. Who would you rather have handle your troubles or give you trouble? Satan and his dominions? Or a loving Heavenly Father who wants to put you under stress and strengthen you, give you courage, and cause you to go to Him for every good thing. Therefore, the psalmist celebrates his deliverance before he's delivered. And that's what God's people have always done because God has commanded them to do it. Remember that first Passover? Before God's people had even left Egypt, what are they doing? They celebrate the Passover. They celebrate their deliverance. It goes all the way back. Adam and Eve. After God curses the serpent and curses Eve and then curses Adam, what does Adam do? You think he gets off mad and pouts and leaves? Oh no. He turns to his wife that got him into all this and he says, I will call you Eve because you are the mother of all the living. He heard that the serpent's head was going to be crushed and so he and his wife lived in hopeful expectation of the Deliverer, the Messiah. And the one greatest one to ever live this was Jesus himself. And the writer of the Hebrews condenses it all down to one line in chapter 12, verse 2. Look to Jesus the author and the perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured this cross, scorning its shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He, Jesus did it, and he did it for you, and he did it for me, so that we could live in hopeful expectation and fulfill the command that Paul had given, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. And this too is the way our worship works. It's not very comfortable confessing what we've done wrong to another person, is it? And yet, what do we do? We come before the Lord this day and we lay out our lives, right? Our own unworthiness. We have not, by what we have done, by what we've left undone, by what we've thought, and we lay it right before God. And what does he do? We hear the announcement of the forgiveness of sins. Though all the details have not been worked out, we rejoice because he has pronounced us righteous and clean before God. And then there is communion. You see the communion where there underneath the veil little piece of bread pressed into a wafer and a little cup of wine and we call it what a feast really hardly a meal and yet we celebrate as a feast of the abundance of the world for we have not only the receiving the forgiveness of sins and grace and not only our Redeemer, but our Creator, who by the Word created the whole heavens and the whole earth. 
And if he can do that, he certainly can change our situation in life. And he will. Our eyes only see bread and wine, but our ears, our ears hear. This is my body, this is my blood. The blood of the covenant shed for you. And faith believes that in, with, and under the bread and wine are really present the body and blood of Jesus. And where the body and blood of Jesus are, well, guess what? There the whole Jesus is. Not just the almighty creator that can strike us down, but he is also our brother who is able to sympathize with us. He's one of us, but he can do everything for us. It is this word. It is his word that makes all the difference, just as it was for those shepherds. When they went to the manger, what did they see? Oh, I know, you got the pictures with the halos, right? And Mary, and Mary with the halo, and Joseph with the halo, and the bright, shining. You know what? If you're in a cave, I don't think that's what's there. They saw a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and all the smells that went with it. For farmers, they understand, don't you? For somebody driving through Iowa? Yeah, in a cattle stall. Looked like just like a baby. But they had the word. They had heard from the angels, Right? From Luke 2 we hear, For behold, I bring you good, good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Faith in God's Word causes to believe that this baby right in front of them, the one in the poor manger, is that special one who they said he was. And it caused them great joy as they left that day and shouted the news about what God had done. And so since the word is true and endures, we always have a reason to rejoice. Though we have tribulations and trials, we can face them. Because you know what? Our troubles never have the last word. He does. Jesus always does. God has accomplished for us what we need in Jesus. Intro, it isn't a word that we use very often, right? Probably only in church. But it has significance for us in the service. It is for the pastor to enter into the chancel area, the intro, it. He enters. But you, you will leave this building and you will enter into God's world, seeing his kingdom at work. And because of his word, you can enter that world rejoicing. Amen. Now the peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.